I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Almost weekend. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. BWI is live. We're talking about Penn State football recruiting, so we've got the best in the business to do that. Sean Fitz back for another show talking about Penn State football. We'll get to some practice recaps also today. Ryan Snyder joining the show. Ryan, I feel like this is our weekly, just I get to hang out with Ryan once a week. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Ryan, how are you doing today? Doing well, my friend. One of these days I'll come back up to practice. One of these days. But uh, I'm hibernating in my basement here working on a little bit of everything right now. We got Portal coming up soon. Official visits in December soon. This is when it gets fun. This next month is uh, a little hectic. What are we, a little over 30 days, I guess, from uh, the early signing period? Yeah, 30 days and uh, 34 days, I think, exactly. Um, so observations from this week. We'll be getting to all of that. Just a quick rundown of what we're talking about today. Penn State got a commitment. There was an official visit this past weekend. There was a massive list of uh, people that were at Penn State. We're going to be talking about all of that. Plus, practice last night. And if you've got any questions, like I will squeeze in a couple at the end of the show. But there's so much to get to today. You're always welcome to drop your thoughts in the chat. We'll get to some of it throughout the show. Fitz, want to get some off-the-top thoughts about uh, last weekend from a recruiting perspective. We talked about the football side of things. We've talked about Mike Gersich. But from the nuts and bolts of recruiting, high-level impressions from last weekend, what have you gathered so far this week? Well, I, you're kind of like my wife here, not introducing me. That's kind of our our thing when we're in social situations. But I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Um, I just I'm, I feel like I just saw you yesterday, so I'm. Sorry. I'm I've been on like four shows this week, so the people are probably tired of me. Um, but uh, anyway, it's a beautiful day in State College, so I'm just I'm, I'm I got a smile on my face. I got the, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, it was it was another good experience. I mean, it's a new it's a noon kick, so uh, I think what we're going to talk about here in a second is the effect of the game, the effect of the crowd reaction. Um, after the game or, or later in the game, but these are always pregame visits. And what I mean by that is the the stamp, like the branding in your brain, is going to come from the pregame atmosphere. And it was a pretty good pregame atmosphere, even even for a noon kick. Obviously, you love the the night games because they give you something different. They give you a little bit different feel in the air. This one, everybody just getting up and going for the noon game. But I mean, the the anticipation, and I know that hindsight is going to tell us that it was a one sided game and and things of that nature. But the anticipation is what gets you there when you're a recruit, and that's really what stands out to uh, to the guys that we've talked to, to the guys that were on campus for maybe a couple of days. Um, so that's what's going to stick in your head. Now you got to deal with some of the other things. You got to deal with the booing. You got to deal with the uh, the general uh, uh, the general uh, scuff up of, of just after the game. Like it's it, that is a situation that you have to deal with if you're recruiting staff. But I'll say that's more with the parents than it is with the uh, with the recruits themselves. I think that that kind of gets stuck in your head. The, the the pregame stuff gets stuck in your head. The parents are the ones that can take in the um, the viewpoints of, you know, the fans sitting in the stands, the frustration and things like that. Yeah. 
So that's where you're getting away from. Penn State, of course, picked up a commitment since then. So obviously it wasn't all bad. Um, so I'm going to say a uh, good weekend, not ideal weekend. You know, you you always want to put your best foot forward in everything. And I think that that's something that you may, you know, you may have to answer for at some point with mm-hmm. uh, with the deals. But you also get a fresh start with a new offensive coordinator. So that's that's where I'm going from from this past weekend. Uh, not as good as it could have been, but uh, still not a, not a lost cause as some would hope to, to believe. Just quickly, can you recap what happened after the game uh, for people that didn't see that or didn't hear about it? Um, some of the altercations, I guess, that happened uh, as Penn State was leaving the field, I assume. Yeah, I mean, you you look at some of the videos that were posted and, uh, you know, fans not happy. You go right through the student tunnel and students, you know, don't have much of a filter. Sometimes you find the the, uh, the kids that will say anything to anybody. And uh, that's not always the best thing because they said it to Venga Yone, which uh I would not do that. Like no. uh, they were yelling at James Franklin, of course, Venga playing some bodyguard there. Um, that's a big dude. I don't want him yelling at me. I don't want, I don't, I don't think he should be yelling at anyone um, because he is, uh, he's an intimidating dude, but yeah, that's kind of the things that you saw and you haven't seen that for, for some time. And, and I know Penn state has sort of had this, this record where it's beat uh, everybody except Ohio state, and Michigan. And that's so something that can wear thin. I obviously get it. You know, there's, there's, there's certainly warranted criticism, for how the offense played. There's certainly warranted criticism with how you've come short in big games. So that sort of stuff bubbles over sometimes, and that's what you got. Ryan, um, reaction to the weekend that you've gathered, some high-level stuff, some things that uh, you want to share here on the YouTube channel. What what was the reaction to the game from what you've heard? Well, reaction-wise, it's kind of all the same stuff. Uh, I don't – we do this all the time, right? Like, you know, trying to, to build it up or hype it or whatever you want to put it. I mean, it's it's always about the crowd, right? It's always about the, uh, you know, the overall fan base, their support and all that stuff. And I think a lot of guys understand that. And I think a lot of guys want to play, it, it, you know, for, for a fan base like that, for for the a school that has the support like Penn State. But, um, you know, at the, at the same time, I, I look at the list overall and, and who all made it here, and it was a, a pretty impressive list. I mean, they had five top 100 players, right? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, which I don't, I, I haven't completely gone through West Virginia and Iowa again to recap, but I don't know that either of those two games had five players ranked that highly. Uh, you had Trent Wilson, of course, who's on the screen there. You had Tariq Hayer, you had Elijah Melendez, Brock Schott, who doesn't hold a Penn State offer, but a tight end who ranks number 99 and on three. And then you had Kamar Archie, linebacker. All three of them, or all five of them, excuse me, uh, rank in the top 100 by on three right now. And obviously those rankings have a long way to go. So we'll see where things play out. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was a very good list of visitors. Um, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I don't know when we want to get into Beckham Kritza. I mean, that I thought was the uh, most notable thing. Obviously he committed a few days after, but committed while yeah. he was on campus and uh, kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, just just from the perspective of, you know, the, the OC situation and what happened there and uh, where Penn State sits with um, Malik Washington, where they sit with Matt Zollers, where they were with Ryan Montgomery. I thought they were in a great position with all three. And and really, this is kind of my own fault is I, I kind of thought those three were there and, and Kritza was certainly a guy that they were very interested in, but maybe not quite someone they were ready to 100% take, someone they absolutely liked. I don't want to... Um, you know, overthink. Obviously, they liked him, right? They took his commitment. But I mean, really, what, what we took away from that was no. Kritza, Kritza was very much in that group uh, with those with those three, and uh, I think obviously with those three being local guys, it kind of um, impacts my reporting or how I look at things, just because of how Penn State has always done it. You know, they they 
they primarily pull from from the region and, and that's where i focus more more often than not but uh you know with kritza it was a uh, i look at his arm talent and i think that's that's what stands out the most there he, yeah. he certainly has a lot of development to do but you know no doubt about it i mean you're watching some of these throws uh especially later in his highlights too he has some really good ones that that certainly grab your attention so a uh, big commitment from the perspective of how things go moving forward uh would penn state take another quarterback or not time will tell i'm not i'm not going to overthink that right now because they got to get another offensive coordinator in here right uh, before we can really kind of start for the horse on that one, minor right, details right? there yeah. yeah right that's kind of important so uh, but I mean, I, look, a lot of guys say a lot of great things about the atmosphere, you know, the the the, the coaching staff and how they the, how they handle things, especially with a noon kick. I thought uh, guys are really positive on on um, the amount of talks that they had. They were able to have with the coaching staff before the game, which kind of surprised me a bit uh, with with it being, you know, the guy the guys got here at eight, nine a.m. And, and, you know, the staff was certainly working on recruiting then. But um you know, good list, great list, but uh, you got to get these wins in these situations. And um, I think those I don't want to overthink wins, but when we constantly keep harping on not being able to beat these guys, it does have an impact. So just getting into Beckham Kritza, then um, I know you talked to Charles Power. I know you talked to his high school coach, um, the intel gathering you've done obviously bluewhiteillustrated.com that's where you're going to go get all of that information but what are some of the things that you've learned about him over the last couple of days i'm i'm interested i haven't had a chance to do a ton um basically what you saw on on screen is what i've seen of him unbelievably impressed with his arm talent but what have you heard from the people closest to him and the people that have evaluated him a little bit further about what he brings to the table because the internet says three star equals bad and that's clearly not the case here so how have people around him kind of described him well, one thing I'll note with Beckham was Beckham was actually a four star uh, like a year ago and he didn't play at Santa Margarita. And that kind of impacted things. Charles was like, OK, you know, we, we saw, you know, a lot of impressive things as a freshman. But when you don't play at all as a sophomore like that, that was kind of his thoughts of like, OK, we need to bump him down a little bit and, and let's try and see where, where things go moving forward. Uh, he goes to Santa Margarita in California, doesn't really play, sits behind uh, Washington State's signee uh, sean i forget the name jackson potter i, th I think it's i called him washington state signee the other day i, I, <laughs> I think it was jackson potter sorry uh, <laughs> I don't remember exactly he's very but, notable guys <laughs> yeah I, I would say one of two schools in the pac-12 now so <laughs> that's an interesting development by the way uh, after that court hearing but uh goes then to miami central he was there i believe march april range was there all preseason with them and then decides in September, I think it was like a game or two in the season. I assume I mean, he wasn't starting, you know, so he, he didn't want to sit again uh, and, and back up uh, for, for a junior year and, and decides in September to come home. So, you know, after speaking with his coach and kind of how that all played out, he didn't get back to Boulder until week three. And then they had to go through paperwork and all that to become eligible. And, and then he ends up playing in, in, in week six. So it's just been an interesting uh you know, trying to follow where all he's been and, and why he's gone to different places and all that. Obviously, I mean, it's he goes to Santa Margarita and uh, Miami Central, two big time programs. You know, he's going to those schools to try and uh, up his stock, you know, get it, get his name out there in front of more schools. And, and obviously it didn't quite work out the way he had hoped. But 
all that really matters in the end is he he found a great place to land in, in Penn State, and uh, I, I see him sticking. I don't I don't see that really changing down the road. He's he's very invested in Penn State, and when you're going to commit to a school and you don't even know who your quarterback coach is, I think that speaks to how highly he is on Penn State, how much he likes it here, how how much he's developed, or how strong of relationships he's developed with everybody else. So you know, I think a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people mention like, oh, is he just trying to get a foot in the door and then try and get some other schools? Yeah, I don't really see that happening. I think he's he's very much, um, you know, what wants to be at Penn State. It, it's certainly a fascinating recruiting journey. Fitz and I talked about this during the breaking news segment about all the places he's been. You recap that there there's a lot of. It feels like, buy, I don't want to even say buying low, but there's a lot of the things to sort through, but the talent when you see him on, on film is pretty undeniable. More information coming at bluewhiteillustrated.com, uh, and that's really the theme of today. And if you want to get that information, you want to be a part of the people who know, sign up right now. And we have something brand new that I'm excited for that I've been hoping we would do here on the YouTube channel for a long time. The bosses have approved it, and that is a special promo code just for the YouTube channel. Use promo code PSU1 to get two months for a dollar. The normal deal is one month for a dollar, but for all of our loyal viewers here on YouTube who come back and are angry or happy or sad or getting therapy after Penn State wins and losses, we can bring you into the family a little bit easier now. PSU1 to get two months for just $1. And I promise you, once you get in there, you're not, you're not going to leave. Uh, because if you like talking here in the chat, we have that conversation just about every day with like-minded people over on the Blue White Illustrated message board. And you get all the insight that these guys have for you, the complete information at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Speaking of other things that happened this week, Fitz, Andrew Dennis took his official visit. Um, former Michigan State com uh, commit on the offensive line, backed out of that commitment. Now he's taking official visits around uh, a couple of different schools. So what was the general reaction to the official visit? How did things go with the Nittany Lions? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply this weekend not a ton of targets left in 2024 so anytime that one of those guys makes it on campus whether it's officially or maybe some unofficials are coming up here um, with guys that they've had on campus before it's hard to say because we've we've talked about this like the portal i think is going to be the, the focus moving forward but there's still a few high school stragglers out there uh andrew dennis was on campus this weekend for an official visit um penn state obviously is always looking to add numbers to the lines he's an interior guy we talked about uh, and i probably have said this on the show before we talked about him as a potential swing guy but i think he's an interior guy all the way but the size checks out and you're happy to see that and happy to uh happy to go with that um, they, they had him on campus this weekend and I think they did a good job. I think Penn state 
you know, put itself in a, in a good position in the sense that he's got a couple of visits left. I know he's going to Clemson this weekend. Um, Illinois and Purdue are the other two that I believe uh, are still kind of lingering as well. So um, Penn State, I guess, had the first shot, you would say, that with this. I know he's been to a couple other places, but had the first official visit. And I think, I think they're in a good spot here. Now they got to weather the storm with, uh, with Clemson, uh, which is, you know, when you take a look at it, I know Clemson's had a ton of success in the last decade, but when you take a look at the packages uh, of just Penn State in general, Clemson in general, a lot of similarities there. So he's going to see yeah. a lot of the same things that he saw in uh, in State College this weekend in, in South Carolina. So be interested to see where he is coming out of that visit. I'm not ready to put a pick in yet, just because I think that uh, you know that he's going to see things that he's going to like. You know, it's it's definitely um, undeniable that you're going to go to Clemson. You're probably going to be impressed. So especially as an offensive lineman. So yeah. um, I like where I like where Penn State stands right now, but I think it's just a little bit early. He's going to announce at the um, former army bowl in san antonio in january so that's going to be something where you know it's there there will be i don't want to say drama leading up to it but he's probably going to sign in the early signing period and then announce um in january so i think that penn state certainly you know did what it could to position itself well it's just time to weather the storm does this count as penn state's uh late move on the offensive line they have been consistently going after offensive linemen late in the cycle whether vega you venga you who you mentioned earlier uh chimdiono uh, is Andrew Dennis, is he, does he fit that category or is this kind of in the proper Penn state recruiting? Cause you mentioned might, uh, sign in the early signing period and be a silent commit. I just, I find that particular, uh, cycle interesting and they've gotten some, some good football players out of it. Does he fit into that category or do you think this is a typical recruiting process? Cause they were on him this summer and now it's coming back around. That's a that's a very good question, and I'm I'm not sure I know the answer to that because you look at the way Venga had it, he was committed to Washington. They had a coaching change there. That was December until they offered him. Chimney was committed to old ODU. We kind of knew he wasn't going to end up there, but like that was a late offer as well. So this offer came a little bit earlier, maybe just because of the unrest there at Michigan State. So a lean yes, um, but it's a guy that they've known for for a long, long time. So I, yeah. That's a that's a good question, Ryan. You got any thoughts on that? It's just to me, it's similar though because they have a very good, complete class, uh, pretty balanced, right, at each position. And when you have extra scholarships to give, you're going to find not only you're, you're looking for the best players, yeah, but when you have depth or you can add depth to the offensive line, like they're going to lean offensive defensive line. Oftentimes, this is like same with the portal. Even when you feel like you have the numbers and everything there adding another guy there um, is, is, is a smart way to go. I mean, obviously wide receiver and some other positions we can talk about that need more depth. Uh, cornerback will be one too, but they need uh, depth there from a, uh, you know, uh, have experience perspective, I guess you would right. say. But uh, yeah, I, I think I wouldn't put them in the Vega chimney category, but at the same time, it is kind of a, uh, you know, they, they finished this class a little earlier than they have in some other ones too. So, I mean, or they haven't finished yeah. it, but you know, they're already at 25 guys. Like they feel very good. If, if they don't add another 2024 commitment in this class, that that's okay. Like they're okay with that and they'll take those scholarships and, and bring it to the portal. So it's, it's similar in some, some ways, a little different in some ways as well, just because as Sean said, you know, he took a two day unofficial visit to Penn state in the spring. So the familiarity compared to what they were with chimney and Vega little bit little bit different there but uh just just to kind of my thoughts on on this is it's all about this weekend it's all about clemson where he stands after this weekend i think will have a very very big impact on where he ends up committing 
uh, on January 3rd, 4th, whatever that whatever that day is. So, yeah, he has Illinois set for November 25th. He has Purdue official set for December 2nd. But I mean, from everything I've gathered, it's it's Penn State and Clemson and then, you know, those schools down here. I am curious to see coaching carousel gets moving. You know, is there a, a notable uh, upper tier power five school that comes calling? Wouldn't it be shocked at all to see that. But uh, right now, from everything I've gathered, it's it's Penn State, Clemson, pretty neck and neck here, um, and we'll we'll see where things go. But he fits Penn State well. Like he really, he's a Big Ten kid, fits that pretty well, uh, and also business too. I, I know he wants to major in business, cares about academics. Obviously, Penn State has a great business school, so that should help. Yeah, yeah, and uh, from what I've seen on him, uh, I think he fits kind of the mold of the the right guard that they've gotten over the last couple of years. Not. Venga's size, maybe more closer to Sal Wormley, but a powerful dude. A guy who comes in with legitimate size and strength, as, as you guys have talked about. Um, we've got to get to practice here in just one second, but Fitz, tell everyone about the app, because we're, we're giving people the opportunity to check out bluewhiteillustrated.com for uh, just a dollar for two months, but you can also check it out on the app, right? Uh, you can, and I hope that's uh, your internet that's gl that's glitching and not mine, uh, as I had that problem earlier or last week. So sorry about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the it app. Is. Uh, it, it, it is the season for the app because this is the time that news breaks. We're waiting on office coordinator news, uh, recruiting news, and things like that. The push notifications, they make it worth it because you want to know when these stories come out. We want to tell you that these stories come out. Not everybody's on Twitter. Not everybody's on the socials where, where we disperse all this this stuff. Um, and it's uh, it's certainly uh, advantageous of you to have the uh, the push notifications on the app. You can also um, navigate the message forums and and things of that nature. So uh, we do encourage you to go to the app store, download the on three app. Again, it's a uh, it's a product that we continue to invest in making it right and uh, and and doing the right thing. So hopefully you guys will, will join us on that. Hey, one thing I'll add on the app too is like they just had a great update. Uh, I don't know, was it last week or the week before? Like, it's not like if you if you download it and originally, you know, it's just kind of like our homepage, right? You know, coming to us, but like they've added a schedule now, trying to get stats in there. Like, it's going to be a lot more complete of just kind of a go to a one stop shop for for a little bit of everything uh, as we keep going here, moving forward and adding stuff to it. So I, I really I, I really like that last update they had. Like, I you, you kind of saw the vision of what they're trying to do here. Uh, you know, it's going to be like you, you go to go PSU to get all that, you know, firsthand information on schedules and things like that. Like that's what uh, they're, they're trying to do with this instead of it just being what will we provide at Blue White Illustrated. So hopefully you can hear me. Uh, hopefully this looks good. Okay. Let's get to practice updates, Fitz. Uh, what did you see? Penn State obviously moving on from Mike Yersich and uh, new vibe on the offensive side. We were both over there. So what were your observations from yesterday? Well, we can hear you. The looking good is, is you know, that's uh, subjective, but uh, <laughs> no, it was a little bit quieter, um, quieter of an approach. You and I were there last night. We came away and we're like, that was kind of, uh, I think subdued is the word that you used um, because it was it was definitely a different atmosphere. Mike Yersich liked to yell, and I'm not saying that was wrong, not saying that was right, but he was sort of the prominent figure on that offensive field. Last night, uh, Danny O'Brien working with the quarterbacks, Ty Howell working more with the group. Um, Jay Wan Sider was over with the running back. So that's an interesting dynamic in terms of what we're expecting to see on Saturday. Howell's going to be in the box. Sider's going to be on the field. Those guys are going to share the duties. Uh, yeah, Ty's got his offensive coordinator walk down. So I'm curious to see if that <laughs> uh, translates to Saturday. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of different voices where 
It's just a little bit different than what we saw, um, you know, prior to this. A lot of emphasis on sharpening things, a lot of emphasis on the uh, the little details, and and they're always detail oriented. Let's not say that this was a completely different practice or anything like that. But you just heard a little bit more of it. Heard of the guys going around, you know, running routes around Higgins and and Calvin Lowry was out. You know, just you just had certain uh, different voices uh, around the uh, around the whole place. So I think that that's really the big thing that I took away from it. Uh, Penn State opening up, throwing it downfield a little bit. That was nice to see. Uh, who knows if we will see that on Saturday? But uh, as as Drew throws a check down on the YouTube or on, on the YouTube, <laughs> sorry, that was, I, I, that was I absolutely perfect timing. Um, but uh, no, I think it, I'm, I'm interested. I, I just I'm so interested to see how this goes on Saturday because I I don't know. Like I said, you you've got a, a running backs coach and a tight ends coach. They're going to call the game. You've got what you believe to be a strong running backs group, a strong tight ends group. Will they lean that way because of what they've gotten from the receivers? And do you see the receivers a little bit more free this week? Because we've talked so often about them playing in a box, and you just sort sort of would like to see that. And they're they're playing a good defense. Like I I know yeah. people are going to see Rutgers on the schedule and think Rutgers, but they're playing a good defense that can you know I think stifle the running game and and make uh, make Drawler think a little bit. Greg Schiano has been doing it at a. a at a high level of coaching for a long time. I know his teams are not always the best, but he's a darn good coach. Um, so I'm very curious to see how this, this whole offensive plan works out. James Franklin talked a little bit, and I know we're bleeding into the, uh, the after the practice thing, but talked a lot about collaboration, talked a lot about the voices in the room and the feedback and things like that. It's really not what you've said or not what he said for the last couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. And how they, they want to go about, generating some new ideas, putting some new ideas into the offense and everyone coming together to talk about those. I, I picked up on that as well. And it was interesting. I think part of it, just my observation was they were all working with their individual positions throughout practice. So nothing really changed when we first got there. Ty Howell's working with the tight ends and the, and whoever going through that particular ball security drill that we always see. And the running backs are typically pretty separate. So Jay Wan Sider, I'd be curious, you know, the part we don't see about practice is, you know, when they all come together for team period, how did that dynamic work out? And uh, that's one thing, you know, we give you all the information we get at bluewhiteillustrated.com. We'll have practice highlights coming out in just a little bit. You saw a preview of them here. But yeah, that was that was my thought of when everyone comes together, how does that dynamic work? Because with the tight ends, he's, Ty Howell, uh, they were putting out a they were putting out a, a play to work on in the red zone. And he was running the show there for the most part, but you got everyone chipping in. I did. Interesting. And he's, and he's been a coordinator before. So let's let, you yeah. know, remember that he was at Western Illinois under Charlie Fisher. So he's, he's got an idea of, you know, the, the sort of the, the viewpoint on doing that. And he'll be up, uh, he'll be up top on Saturday. So very, very interested to see how it's going to say it's going to look. Cause I, I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we put out our predictions earlier today and I, I don't know what you're getting for the Penn State offense. We're, so. sc we're scattershot, man. We're all over the place. I think Ryan has him scoring 50 or whatever it was. But yeah. Greg, <laughs> I, I said, hey, if Iowa can score 22, Penn State better score 30. Come on. Yeah. Okay. I, hey, real quick. I, do I we think so. this could be a situation where Ty does passing and Cider does running? I think hope they learned left that behind a long time ago i mean i just wondered if, if i haven't seen anything like publicly about it i just wondered if that's it's very tough to do that um right. and yeah I, I i i would say that there's input all all around i don't know who's gonna have the final say there like it's 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 gonna be very interesting because i think jay one i think ranked a little higher he's got the seniority and things like that but 
you know, you've got to, you got to use everything there. Uh, collaboration is the way that I would put it. And the way James Franklin put it last night. I, I just, I, I, again, genuinely don't know how it's going to go. I, I hope it goes well. Cause I, I don't need another one of those last weekends. <laughs> yeah. Even the, even the Indiana game where it comes down to a final pass and they win it dramatically, which would be entertaining and be great for the BWI live post game show, which you can come join. But uh, yeah, it, it just creates a lot of those uh, discontented fans that, the echo chamber of the internet really gets revved up when you don't substantially beat the teams you're supposed to substantially beat. But as you guys mentioned, this is a really good uh, Rutgers defense who has caused a lot of problems for a lot of teams this year. Uh, we'll be getting into some of those things tomorrow on uh, the final live show of the week, Friday, 10 a.m. Let's get into senior day. Let's talk about what's going to come up this weekend from a recruiting perspective. We can fold in a little bit of the walking not walking all of that stuff james franklin press conference uh, dealt with that just a little bit but uh ryan i do want to start with you final home game what are the expectations of the type of players that are going to be at this game against Rutgers? you know with that big game last weekend that we just broke down all that information now here's another home game how's this shaping up from just a type of player involved a little smaller than i expected because just like sean you 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 know this a lot of times for their season finale, you get more New England guys coming down. Like you kind of usually those season finales, you kind of get a little bit of a bigger list than you expect, no matter how the opponent is, just because guys playoffs are done and all that. Uh, but right now we've only got about two or three guys who are, you know, scholarship guys confirmed uh, for this weekend. I wrote yesterday, Albert Hill, 2026 cornerback coming in from Akron, Ohio, which by the way, they have a game Friday night. So I'm very curious to see, uh, if they actually do make it, they're absolutely planning to make it, but you, we've seen before, uh, guys have playoff games Friday night and, uh, you know, they wake up and they're like, man, do I really want to do that four hour drive right now? So be, be curious to see if he comes, uh, but Elbert's without a doubt, the top prospect expected this weekend, four-star player, you know, 2026, as I mentioned, but, uh, you know, he looks like he's a potential top 50 guy. One of, one of Terry Smith's, um, absolute top top targets for for the 2026 class so keep an eye on him and then ben howard too i'll mention as well offensive lineman uh, originally from las vegas uh, transferred to sky ridge in utah this past year penn state offered i believe in i think it was like september early september somewhere in that ballpark has a handful of offers uh really penn state wants to get him on campus this weekend see how he looks uh, I think that's the big thing is just kind of getting accurate measurement measurements on him, getting around him, meeting, uh, meeting his family and all that. And, and they'll go from there. Uh, Howard, the 2025 prospect, by the way, and as I said, Albert is uh, 2026. So those are the two main ones right now. It's it's there, there's some guys we're watching. I wouldn't be shocked if one or two pop up tomorrow or, uh, you know, there's something on the message board early Saturday. Oh, you know, we spotted this guy, but Right now, it's 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 a little smaller than than I uh, would have expected. Fitz, you got any thought about what's coming up this weekend? Yeah, it's a tough time. As Ryan said, that usually the last game of the season, you get those New England kids in there. With the way that the calendar lines up this year, this is the basically the final week in New England of football. So uh, Luke Reynolds plays on Friday night. He's going to come down. There's some Avon Old Farm guys that could could possibly make it. Um, but you usually like to have that that home game after Thanksgiving. Cause that's when you get them because what they'll do is they'll play that last game. And then the kids, a lot of those places are boarding schools up there. will go home for the right. Thanksgiving week for fall break. And that's when you kind of have your window. So you're kind of dealing with that last weekend in new England, which is not ideal. Like usually, usually it's a better list um, of guys that can come down after Thanksgiving or just right around Thanksgiving. So 
um, yeah, New England kids that, that are 19. Um, but uh, no, I think that, that <laughs> it's a, yeah. it, I think it's going to turn out to be a better list. I, uh, we expect a couple of guys that, that can possibly make it, but all in all, like you had West Virginia, you had Iowa, you had Michigan. Those are your big three. Then there's a big old gap and this one's under that gap. Yeah. Um, something that, that came up in the chat that we had, uh, we haven't talked about yet, Ryan, uh, another offer that Penn State fans are going to love, right? Uh, somebody got an offer this weekend, uh, a legacy player for Penn State. LeVar Arrington, the second Sean, I, I'd be honest. I don't know a ton about him. Uh, uh, he's out in California. I don't know if Sean, you've dug on him too much. I mean, does have an Oregon offer certainly grabbed my attention. Uh, Colorado, I think Washington was another one, uh, where that goes long-term we'll see. Uh, you know, we've seen, I mean, has he, he's visited once or twice though, right? I believe he's been on once. Um, he is at uh, charter Oak in, in California and it's, uh, obviously the name is going to grab your attention before Harrington, the second. So, uh, he's a six two. we have him at six two one seventy five. Um, so he's got a ways to go in terms of filling out, but the name is LeVar Arrington. Like you're going to pay attention to that because of that. And now these, these things don't always end up, you know, taking hold and getting traction. Jimmy Kennedy's son was offered last year and Penn state, you know, gave an offer and never really came back around to it. So I'll be curious to see which direction this goes, but he's a 2025 kid. Uh, he, he does not have an on three ranking yet. A couple of other services have him as a, as a mid three star, mid to high three star. So that's kind of what you're looking at here. Um, I, I, I haven't watched the tape. I saw he got an offer this morning because it was late last night when he tweeted it out. But I mean, anytime your name is LeVar Arrington, and I know LeVar has been very active in the program, active in the NIL stuff and things like yeah. that. Uh, you're certainly going to, you know, show some attention that way. So uh, very much a, a wait and see here. But at the same time, that wait and see is LeVar Arrington. So, hey, man, like that's uh, that's For one sure. that's going to draw our attention. Uh, no offense to the the other legacies that have been offered, but uh, that's a that's a different breed right there. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're banking on there's uh, something in the genetic code there that's going to come out uh, at some point because of there, there are if you start if you're a player that starts a legacy, like a number legacy at a program. I think that's that's pretty fair to say. Yeah, we're going to give that guy a look. Um, He'll be a guy I dig on here in the week. Give, give me a week or two. I, I just got to dig a little bit more. Try and it just happened last night. So I mean, I, like I said, he's been here before. I know who he is and all that. But um, as far as like where he's at and and you know other visits and other schools and all that stuff, I just kind of need to dig a little bit. Yeah, and Penn State didn't offer Keno Arrington, who was at Lackawanna College, um, who's now at mm -hmm. Delaware. So like, you know, it's not a situation where everybody gets an offer because you're a legacy. So that, that that's an interesting subplot to me. Uh, something that came up yesterday that I think is interesting. Um, it really deals with the thing you guys have been uh, have been uh, uh, I think pretty clear about is that the transfer portal is going to be very important for Penn State this year, and the transfer portal is already open. And James Franklin was asked about that because when there's a coaching change, the transfer portal opens for players within that program. So, uh, Fitz, what did he have to say about that situation, and uh, what are you reading between the lines about Penn State's? eye on those players yeah it's uh they're like saying the recruiting staff's like santa claus they're always watching man they're always <laughs> like taking a look and you would not believe the amount of scouting that i don't want to say it's wasted but like they scout a ton of people like thinking that maybe they'll go in maybe they won't but we want to be ready regardless so they watch a ton of tape they watch a lot of the guys and they they prepare for those i know you guys some of you guys follow the follows and it's uh it, it's interesting to see that a lot of those guys don't even end up in the portal so penn state doing the legwork that they have to do because once that guy goes in the portal if you're not ready you're 
you're behind the eight ball. So um, they, they've been ready for some guys. Uh, Raymond Cottrell from uh, from Texas A&M, wide receiver. He went in this week. Penn State was was right on him, one of the first schools to reach out. Um, and I think that that's certainly notable because Penn State, I think, is going to see some some movement in that wide receiver room this year. I know they brought in two last year, but that's uh, obviously was not the quick fix that they were hoping for. So uh, very curious to see which direction that goes in. But I think there's a bunch of positions. Uh, you, you still don't know who's coming back and who's leaving and things like that, but there's a bunch of positions where – they can't afford to sit around and wait because it's uh, it's going to be one of those situations that uh, by mid December, late December, if 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 you're like behind the eight ball, you're you're out of luck. And it, as we've talked about before, if you as you mentioned, Fitz, if you're not on top of it, uh, there there's a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes for other schools and offense they want to be competing there. They have to be on top of everything. Ryan, your thoughts about the transfer portal because that's going to like beyond just this particular situation of early exits for coaches uh, it's going to heat up pretty soon and so just mm-hmm. give us a quick primer on what to expect from the nittany lions i like i said earlier i if you, if you go back a month ago and i i think sean and i were both kind of talking about like okay we're going to see some 2024s come in for official visits penn State's going to try and get this 2024 class up to 26 27 28 something like that we may still see one or two more but i just as things have progressed I just hear more and more talk about eh, maybe take these scholarships and, and get guys in here uh, who can come and contribute next year. And, and they impact each other and they don't in some ways. Uh, it's really going to depend on who all leaves. That's going to have a massive impact. And, and uh, you know, maybe we'll learn more about that this weekend and, and who walks. We don't have that list yet. So uh, it's kind of still up in the air until Penn State kind of releases that information. But uh, yeah, just to, just I think December we're going to be talking a lot more about the portal than 2024 guys. There might be a couple mm-hmm. to pop up. But uh, Penn State knows that they need to get some players in here to make an early impact. You know, and they've had success with it. I know this year uh, the receiver situation hasn't quite worked out the way they have. But go back to Ebiketti, go back to some other guys. Like they, they have had pretty good hit rates there, yeah. at least getting in like one or two impact players each year. So I still feel pretty confident that they, they, they can find some, some players and some gaps to fill like cornerback. For example, I think like we're talking a lot about wide receiver. We talk a lot about uh, getting offensive linemen and defensive linemen, guys who have experience, but corner, especially with, uh, Sierra Lalea not being able to, or end up at ultimately ending up at Oregon like that, that to me is a, a massive spot for next year. They have some good up and coming talent, but they need some older guys with experience to get in there and, and help those, uh, younger guys kind of uh, progress and challenge them. Yeah, and I think it's also important to point out Penn State, when they get their uh, top target at a position, has done very well. They've, again, identified mm-hmm. talent and recruiting really well, but Caden Prather looked great all year for Maryland, and that was an, that was a player that Penn State, you know, had an eye and saw the talent, and, you know, we, we've we covered that before the Maryland game. We don't need to get back into that. Um, I'm going to fold two guys. Go no, ahead. no, no, we're not moving forward. Penn State okay. got two impact guys out of the portal last year. Riley Thompson and Alex Falcons. So I will not sit here and have you slander special teams by not talking about them. Those guys have been excellent. They deserve yeah. to be talked about. Uh, we talked to Alex Falcons last night. He was great. We talked to Riley Thompson a couple, couple weeks ago. He was great as well. Don't be surprised if Penn State goes that same route. Like I, I'm very curious to see if high school specialist recruiting is like still a thing. Like you, you had the opportunity to bring someone in that has experience kicking in a different stadium, like a different setup, but it's still college football, you have that opportunity to do so. And I think they're going to continue to go that route. Um, be very curious to see what the scholarship uh, room, or excuse me, what the uh, the specialist room looks like next year. And can't say enough, man, those guys have been good. Those guys have yeah. been like 
for, for all things considered, Falcons came here as a walk-on. Thompson came here as a scholarship guy. They've filled their role and they've done a really nice job, man. Stacy Collins too. Like give, yeah. give Stacey Collins a lot of credit. Cause I mean, yeah, James James talking about on, on it, yeah. he, he said night, yeah. like Stacy has impressed him, man. Like that. Yeah. And, and this is a guy that like two weeks into the season, I was getting asked if people were going to, you know, everybody wants to fire everybody. That's how, that's what we do it right. this year. If Stacy was on right. the block and, it's like, man, let's, let's, let's just let this play out. And it's it's played out better than I thought it could, like, to be honest with you, um, because Falcons has come in and it's just been like, you don't even think about it anymore. Like, and knock on wood here because he's a kicker. You can't say that, but uh, oh. he's, he's been uh, <laughs> yeah, did, I just, did, I just, did I just do that to Falcons? I'm sorry. Um, he's been he's been terrific. So uh, both of those guys uh, say what you want about the rest of the season, but they, they hit on those guys. So. I want to move on to this point, and this is going to be uh, something that I, I'm doing here for the good of the group that I'm doing for. Uh, I don't necessarily really want to have this conversation, but we're going to fold this all in together. Danny O'Brien, another thing James Franklin talked about um, last night of ready for the moment and ready to help the quarterbacks get the best out of them. And here's the 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 relief of that picture. Julius Caesar, he's here all the time. He's one of our regulars in the chat. He has been banging on for weeks on end about how Drew Aller is not the guy. And last yesterday, I just said, I, said I, I see you. I'm just not commenting. We're not talking about that yet. But there is a significant portion of uh, the internet, and that's who we talk to on a regular basis, that wants either to put Bo Prabula into the game or move on. And Julius says, did you know that last Saturday, 49 Division I school, uh, school started quarterbacks that transferred from their program? It, I, I guess, like the dual question here, uh, is is quarterback on the menu for the transfer portal, and secondarily, yeah. is Danny O'Brien ready for the moment to elevate what we have seen? Is Penn State has not gotten the best out of their quarterbacks? They haven't put them in a position to succeed. They haven't been good, but they haven't been put in position really to succeed by the offense. So, Ryan, you're saying immediately no quarterback, not even not even talking about it. So, Julius, here you go. Here's your answer. How many of those 49 guys are power five, former power five players going down the group of five level? I bet you it's it's a it's a considerable number. Yeah, for every Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix, you've got others. And uh yeah, yeah I mean, I, I don't see this as a situation where Penn State should look or would look uh for a quarterback um in the portal. I don't think that I, I number one, it's not appealing to a guy that's coming in. Like say say they do decide that they want a quarterback, like you you clearly are coming in and this is the guy that you've started all season. And it's like with Clifford, like a couple of years ago, you're thinking that, uh, you know, maybe you bring in a guy that competes with him or something like that. He's still a starter by name, by action, by all that kind of stuff. So I, it's not an appealing situation for a transfer quarterback to come in here. Yeah. Uh, but then to the point of getting more out of the quarterback position, which is a fair conversation to have the final two weeks of the season. Do you think they can uh, get some juice out of the offense and, and give drew the opportunity to look better and get more confidence from his play fits what's the what's the i know you hate percentages what's the likelihood that they're able to make this look better than it did for the first 10 weeks don't you dare ask me for a percentage um it's <laughs> possible I mean, it's, it. we, we saw it against maryland and maryland is a yeah. team that's less talented than penn state penn state mm -hmm. is playing two teams that are less talented than penn state so you've got an opportunity i know it's a good defense with Rutgers, but you've also got the built-in buffer of Rutgers doesn't score points like th that that is something where you're not 
as fearful. Like obviously coach is always fearful about other, you know, freak things happening, but you're not, I think it gives you a little bit of uh, a little bit more rope to, to play with. Um, so I think that that's where you go with it. And I think that you can see a little bit looser. Like I said, I don't know how they're going to call the game. I don't know how it's going to work with, uh, with Hal and Cider, but you have the opportunity to open it up a little bit. Uh, Ryan, any, any additional thoughts there? I don't think it's on Al or nearly as much as people make it seem. I, I think this is a more, much more of a wide receiver issue than, than anything else. I mean, okay. So uh, we're going to talk PFF here for a second, just because I was doing this yesterday. All right. Out of power five quarterbacks, right? There's 60 or so right now who have played 250 or so, you know, snaps, dropbacks, whatever you want to put. Aller ranks like 15th. Okay. Yep. Like he's, he's up in that upper echelon right now. He's the second ranked quarterback in the big 10. And again, I'm not trying to see as if PFS is the end all be all. It's not, there's, you know, there's, um, you know, it's, it's not a perfect system or anything, but it, there's, it, when you, if we're trying to compare these guys and I use that a little bit to compare, I mean, he still stacks up pretty damn well. Uh, you know, when it comes to the reads he's making and all that, I get it. People want more explosion and all that stuff, but, um, you can only throw the ball so far down the field when, you know, your guys are being blanketed. So I, I don't know. I, to me, it's much more of a wide receiver issue than anything else. Um, you know, I think, I think some guys are progressing and all that, but, but they need, they need to get some, some talented players in here in the transfer portal and, and that, that will help fix the problem more than anything. And, and I think obviously the biggest problem was clearly, I think your church. And I don't, I don't, I don't think there was some sort of disconnect there. James has made that pretty clear. Uh, that there was some sort of disconnect and, and they need to just kind of start from scratch there from that perspective. But to me, I fully am still on board with Drew Aller. Now, look, the the hype, you guys, and I, I know I'm part of this because we do recruiting rankings. I don't really do the yeah. rankings, but we we play a big role in that. But I think the fans also kind of put a lot of expectations on him. And I get it, five-star rating and all that stuff. But like the six, seven months leading up to this, I mean, I've, I've said it many times on the message board, like he's going to be good. But like some of you guys are crowning him right now as a potential like Heisman candidate. And I think people just kind of got expectations a little too high. Fitz, you had something you wanted to say? Yes, I am very curious to see. And I think we'll get a like, uh, I don't know if it'll be the few viewpoint of this, but like a sliver of this, like how J1 Sider thinks his running back should be used because yeah. he's got an opportunity to put his stamp on the play calling and he's got an opportunity to you know, if he wants to use Nick outside, maybe we'll see a little bit more of that. I, I am very curious to see, you don't change this game in, scheme in a week, but I'm very curious to see how the running game looks this week with Jay Wan Sider having a little bit more influence on how he uses his guys. That's actually something I, I talked about earlier this week. I wrote about that one quick fix that they could do with the running game. Uh, I wrote about it over at bluewhiteillustrated.com before practice yesterday. It, it's not that hard to change, like, just small tweaks. You're not trying to rewrite everything, but if there's one thing Mike Yersich wanted to be this year, based on the numbers, based on the results of the plays, he wanted to get back to what he was in the Big 12, which was a zone-running team. And if you just you change the percentages around, you slide the things around a little bit, you can, you can, uh, you can have an effect without doing anything drastic because they already every team runs all of these things. It's about how much you run the individual percentages of each scheme because there's only so many run-blocking schemes in football. You're not reinventing something um, in the middle of the season. That's my favorite uh, thing, by the way. Like when the, co the college coach is like, we all run the same plays. It's just, yes. you know, different. 
90% of college football is inside zone. So just get used to that. Like that's another thing that um, I, I think fans have talked about of getting rid of option plays and RPOs. And I, I've said some of that myself, so I don't want to be like, you're all wrong and dumb, but everyone's running inside zone because everyone's running the thing that you base modern college offenses off of everyone's running that that's the basis of almost every single offense so that's i'll get off my soapbox about that uh guys last thoughts here as we get to the end of the show spin us forward what we're gonna be seeing this weekend ryan uh start with you you can give your prediction to the game if you want yeah i mean my i don't know what was my score 31 10 i think which is basically me just looking at the spread and trying to figure out where vegas thinks that's how i handle it most weeks i did pull the uh I did think I I did pick Penn State to beat Michigan just because I felt like that game was much more winnable than Ohio State. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to be the one with the most losses this year with two, most likely. But uh, I, my, my thing, one thing I will say with Rutgers is I do think the lack of depth at Rutgers is going to kind of start showing up here down the stretch. You know, I was going through like snap counts and things like that yesterday. Rutgers has seven or eight defenders who have played more than 500 snaps so far this year. Penn State doesn't have a single defender who has played more than 500 snaps this year. So just kind of keep those things in mind, or at least that's how I'm thinking this might play out. You know, they just played Ohio State and Iowa. Okay. Iowa had the ball for almost 40 minutes in that last game. So yeah, I think Rutgers. Uh, has gotten better talent in there. They've done pretty well schematically and all that stuff, but final two games of the season, you've really kind of rode your top players, which Penn State did against Ohio State and Michigan, but they haven't yeah. done that in the other uh, eight games or so. I think that really starts to show here, uh, especially after two games against Ohio State and Iowa. So I think Penn State's offense will have some success. Uh, probably something similar to what we've seen in recent weeks. Slow first quarter, second quarter, pick it up. And we get in that second half, guys get fatigued. Maybe that's when Penn State can uh, open it up a little bit. Fitz, what do you got? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the depth kind of comes along here and uh, Rutgers is dealing with some bumps and bruises that, you know, are magnified by the lack of depth that they have. So I think it's going to be a situation similar to the first half of the season. You probably see a closer game in the first half. People get frustrated and then sort of flesh that out a little bit in the second half and go with that. I have 26 to six. I don't know how you get there, but like <laughs> it's a good talking point, I guess. Um, so, no, I'm very curious to see how this offense uh, goes this weekend, how much the running game changes and how much that that potentially opens up for some things. You know, I hope they go out and I hope the guy that said 63 to 10 is right. That, that would be very nice to uh, to see that happen, because that's uh, a little bit of uh, just a, I, we could we could all use an easy one. Right. Just like, a break. You, right. Just something, you know, <laughs> like it's uh, it's it's been like that. So I'd be very curious to see how it goes. I've got 26 to six. Um, and I think that Penn State with the talent gap, with the depth advantages is, is going to be able to do that. And my last parting shot here is believe in yourselves, guys. You can blame more than one person. You can blame everybody. Drew's got to be better. The receivers have to be better. The running backs have to be better. The offensive line has to be better. The plays have to be called better. Like there's a lot that that that's where we're at in this offensive scheme is there's a lot of blame to go around. So I, I believe in you guys. You can do it. I, I, I love the, uh, the predictions that are coming in. 21-3 says Stephen Light. We got uh, KJ Johnson. Everyone's getting their predictions in on the game to 33-16. By the way, Chris Gelso, who was, I believe, one of our first regulars here on the BWI live show. Uh, He's now a full-fledged you know, got the tattoo and everything message board member at bluewhiteillustrated.com. I had 24-17 or something like that because Penn State offense scoring in the 30s has not been a consistent thing this year. And he said, how do you have Rutgers getting 17 points? So just so you know, 
nobody's safe. No point total is safe. And you guys in the chat, I just want you to know, uh, Chris thinks that you're giving way too much credit to the Rutgers offense. And if you want to go tell him about that, eh, there's a way you could do that. Get two months for $1. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Use promo code PSU1. Guys, thank you so much for everything you've done today. Thank you for all your insight into recruiting. We'll be back on Friday tomorrow with more conversation about the game itself, what we are going to see from Rutgers and how Penn State can adapt the offense, all that stuff coming up on the BWI Live Show. Of course, these guys have great uh, content at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, so go check that out. I'm Thomas Frank Carr for Sean Fitz and Ryan Snyder. We'll talk to you later.